Second VegCast for April 2007. VegCast. A full menu from first to last. VegCast. Yeah, so we did get two VegCasts in in April, and we'll see if we can keep that streak going in May. But in the meantime, we have a full menu coming up, as always, for you on this VegCast, number 24 on this episode. We're going to talk about grassroots activism, making a difference at the local level, one-on-one, person-to-person, and so forth, with Jody Chemas of Florida Voices for Animals. And we're going to hear about some of her experiences uh, down there with uh, leafleting, with uh, getting uh, resolutions passed and so forth, and getting things to happen at the local level and in conjunction with national campaigns. Also, of course, we're going to have a musical selection for your enjoyment and a, an interesting science fact that may shed light on the bizarre death of Andy Kaufman. So you'll want to keep it right there for that. And we're also going to hear a little word about a vegetarian-themed event that's coming up here in Philadelphia. I just want to be sure that everybody in the Philadelphia area and the greater tri-state area is aware of that. So we'll get that going right away. So thanks for downloading us. I'm Vance. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy the full menu of this All righty, before we start talking with Jody Chemis, uh, the event that I wanted to let you all know about is uh, from Public Eye Artists for Animals, a group here in the Philadelphia area that tries to raise awareness of animal issues uh, using the medium of art or the media of art. Uh, You may recall they had an art exhibit that we attended Back in VegCast 4, and uh, what's coming up is a kind of a multimedia puppet show. Uh, It's called From the Mouth of the River. It deals with environmental and animal issues, and it will be on May 12th. And I don't think we're going to have a VegCast, another VegCast before then, so I'm letting you know now. It's on May 12th. There will be two shows. It's at Mum Puppet Theater in Philadelphia, 115 Arch Street. You can get more information on that from uh, their website, www.publiceyephilly.org. And I hope uh, anyone within the sound of my voice, well, I guess that's not really apropos these days in podcasting, but if uh, we were in a radio station and you were within the sound of my voice, I would hope you would get over there to Mum Puppet Theater and, and check that out. They've been working pretty hard on that. And now uh, we're going to travel down to South Florida, to the Tampa Bay area, uh, to talk with Jody Chemis of Florida Voices for Animals. Let's go to that interview right now. Okay, right now on the phone with us, we have Jody Chemis of Florida Voices for Animals. Jody, uh, thank you for being with us on VegCast. Thank you for having me. And uh, I wanted to talk to you today, especially about kind of grassroots uh, vegetarian activism and uh, getting the uh, the groundwork, getting things off the ground, getting things to happen on the ground. Um, and you have a lot of experience with uh, local activism and with uh, actually one-on-one kind of uh, activities, including leafleting. And uh, especially, I just wanted to ask you about the, the Adopt-A-College initiative 
that you're involved in. But uh, first of all, how did you get into this this line of uh, of, of work or line of avocation? Well, I um, it took me a long time to figure out what I wanted to do that would most affect most be most effective for helping animals. And I've tried many activities. I've been involved in um, rescues. I've also done tabling, um, letter writing, um, having groups with speakers come, and I've tried lots of different things, but when I tried leafleting, I really felt like it was the most effective thing that I've ever done, and it's also the most rewarding. And I think one of the obstacles that we have in trying to um, help animals is that just, you know, most people don't know about what goes on um, in factory farming, and so, you know, my biggest thing was, okay, well, how do we get this word out to people? And um, the biggest thing I found that's out there is Vegan Outreach uh, has a program called Adopt-A-College, and people all over the country pick colleges near them, and they can get leaflets from Vegan Outreach, and you just go to a college, and you can hand out hundreds of leaflets in just an hour. We, you know, we were at University of South Florida yesterday, me and uh, one of my friends, and we handed out about 350 uh, leaflets in about an hour and a half. So, um, you know, we get great responses from people. It's incredibly rewarding. So that's pretty much how I got involved in that, and that's what I spend most of my time on. Well, now, uh, let me ask you, in terms of uh, great response, are you do you gauge it just from the, the way people react when you're handing them things, or do you get into conversations with them, or do you have any way of gauging uh, later, you know, whether whether something has had a particular impact on a person that you gave it to? Uh-huh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, there's a couple different ways I can tell. Basically, if most people say yes, I'll take a leaflet, that's definitely a good thing. You know, I mean, once well, in a while you get someone that says no, um, and that's fine, but most people take them and just walk away. Um, and then once in a while you get someone who might ask you a question, um, and if you don't know the answer, you can refer them to the email address that's on the back of the leaflet, so it's, it's really easy. It's not um, like you have to know every single thing that someone might ask you. Right. Um, but a lot of people, for example, yesterday we had one woman who um, handed the leaflet back to us after she had um, taken it and walked away, and after a while she came back handed it back to us, and um, she said, you convinced me. And, um, you know, we asked her, are you, are you going to go vegetarian? She's like, I will, I will try. And we gave her another booklet that had recipes, and um, we have a local dining guide, and we gave her, gave her that too. So, you know, it's mostly just comments that people make to us. And also, Vegan Outreach has, um, uh, they have a list, and they'll send out um, requests that they have gotten from students at colleges. So once in a while, I'll get a, an email from Vegan Outreach that says what colleges they have gotten veg starter guide requests from. And occasionally, there'll be like a few from colleges that I've leafleted. So I know people are directly, you know, responding to it. So that's, that's right. Well, I have to say, I mean, I I have never done actual leafleting uh, for uh, vegetarianism or veganism. Uh, but actually, my first job when I was out of college was as a pamphleteer uh, in uh, Key West trying to hoodwink people into uh, coming to uh, take tours of this timeshare property, something that I'm not uh, particularly proud of, but it was uh, it was really kind of grueling work in, in that you had to just keep standing out there and giving stuff out to people and stopping people. And, uh, you know, in that case, I felt very, you know, I had a, there was a, a mechanism to measure 
I, basically, I, I only got paid for the whole day based on how many people showed up. And if, I, if nobody showed up at the timeshare thing, I, I had spent the entire day for nothing. But is there something that when you give something out, you, you basically have, you wait and see what you hear from vegan outreach? Or do you have a sense at the end of the day, you know, I've helped this many people or I've changed this many people's minds? Is there any way to gauge that? Yeah, definitely. Um, Vegan Outreach actually has um, a theoretical calculation on their website, and they base the numbers on how many people come back to leafleters and say, I went vegetarian because of your leaflet. Oh, great. Um, And so, you know, I've I've had a few people come up to me and say, I got that leaflet last semester, and I went vegetarian because of it, um, or I went vegan because of that leaflet. That happens, you know, not terribly frequently, but once in a while. That's great. Um, you know, you know that for the amount of people that tell you that, there's also lots of people out there who are affected by it who might not tell you that. And every time you hand out a leaflet, it's raising awareness. And that person might talk to someone else about it who talks to someone else about it. And um, it's a domino effect. Right. And on Vegan Outreach's website, they estimate that for every leaflet that is handed out, um, I think it's either either 20 or 40, I'm sorry, I can't remember which number it is, but it's either 20 or 40 animals per leaflet handed out that are saved because of because of that leaflet. And that, that estimate comes out of that each person who goes vegetarian is um, saving about 35 animals per year. Wow. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty astronomical when you think, you know, you hand out 300 leaflets in an hour and 300 times 20, let's say, you know, that's, that's a lot of animals that you're saving just, you know, in an hour. Right. So it's great. Well, that must be very gratifying. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. And, I mean, you know, you don't see directly those animals that are saved, but you, you know just based on, you know, what Vegan Outreach is calculating, what you hear from people. And so it's, it's just wonderful. So I, I should say you live um, in a town, uh, Newport Ritchie, just outside of Tampa in Florida, and uh, you have been doing this, the vegan outreach thing with the, uh, the Adopt a College initiative, but you're also, I understand, active in, uh, in other ways in trying to get legislation uh, passed. And I understand that you actually got a resolution before, is it the Newport Ritchie City Council or what, what was going on there? Yeah, we, um, with the help of the Humane Society of the United States, we, myself and a few other people in Newport Ritchie, Got together and we contacted the city council members of Newport Ritchie and we told them that we were interested in proposing a resolution against battery cages and for those who don't know a resolution and I didn't know until I got involved in this a resolution is it's non-binding there's no fiscal impact to it but it, it makes a statement and um, cities make resolutions about various issues all the time and so the fact that, you know, cities across the country are just starting to make resolutions against battery cages is huge. Um, you know, that's going to impact the whole industry. So um, we went to the city council, and we proposed it. And, you know, it took maybe like three or four weeks of contacting them and um, just following up with them and going to a couple city council meetings. But they passed it. They were, you know, very receptive to it and interested in helping to do what they could to end animal cruelty. So it was great. So the uh, the city of Newport Ritchie is now officially against battery cages. Is that right. the, that's the right. outcome. But if, if, say, a business comes to Newport Ritchie and says, you know, we want to open our own uh, poultry uh, production facility and have battery cages, what would be the, is it just that the city council will say, okay, but, you know, you can do that, but 
we don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. Mean, I mean, the, I'm not really real sure. Effect? It would if it's it's non-binding. Right. So it's it's not you know like it's prohibited, but it would be incredibly difficult for someone to come here and open a battery cage facility now that there's a resolution against battery cages in the city. So it just makes it much more difficult, and it just also makes a statement. Um, and it's kind of like the city is leading other cities. You know, now that there's there were originally three cities against it. Now there's four and soon to be five, and then it'll just grow and grow and grow. And then, you know, soon enough it'll raise enough awareness that more and more people will buy, you know, free range or not buy eggs at all, hopefully. And and um, so it'll have that domino effect again. Right. Well, let me just add, let me just follow up on, uh, you said more and more people will buy free range or not buy. And this, this is something that's a current kind of controversy, mm-hmm. uh, whether or not, you know the push for for people uh, to adopt more compassionate uh, alternatives of animal products will actually lead them directly to buying less animal products overall, or whether it in some ways makes them feel like, oh, I can go on doing this rather than changing my diet because I'm I'm helping the animals. And uh, do you have any sense of what whether there is some uh, correlation, whether there's some progression there that uh, leads people to that, or is it is it more of a theoretical? Eventually, it's got to pay off, kind of. Thing. Yeah. Well, I think it's it just for me. What I've noticed anyway is that it raises awareness and it raises questions. And I'm sure there will be some people that will just switch to free range, and that'll be it. But um, you know, if, if they hadn't been aware of this issue, they would have just kept on eating battery cage eggs. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people will come up to me and, you know, they'll, they'll ask about this. You know, they'll see it in the paper, you know, when the resolution came out. There were a couple articles in the paper. And one of the things people have asked me and saw in the paper is about free range. And they'll say, well, is free range really that much better than battery cages? And so they're asking the question, and then you could tell them, well, no, you know, free range really, it still has its problems. You know, at least they're not in battery cages, but it still has issues such as debeaking and um, male chicks being crowned up alive and lack of veterinary care. So you can cover all these issues just by this, you know, resolution coming out and raising this awareness in people and making people ask these questions. Right. So I think it has it has a good effect on that, too. Right. So your focus uh, is mostly on... Uh, kind of one-on-one activism as well as doing things uh, that are a little larger in scope but still on a local level. And I just wanted to ask you whether uh, you think, say, some activist out there who's listening to this out in the middle of uh, Illinois or Montana or whatever, if they wanted to do something, um, would it, would you suggest that they... Uh, they just go downtown and start leafleting or try to hook up with a, a more national initiative like the adopt a, a college thing or what would you what would you advise them um, I would say you know for a first time leafleter uh, adopt a college is great because their website which is um, veganhealth.org slash colleges it gives some great leafleting tips and it also has a Yahoo group that you can um, read about other people's experiences and write your own experiences, and you can post the totals of the leaflets that you hand out and ask people questions. And so it's just it's more interactive, and you feel like you're part of a team that's really working on something big. And um, last year at this time, Vegan Outreach had distributed 150,000 booklets, and this year at this time it's risen to 500,000 booklets. So more and more people are getting involved, and the issue is being 
out there more and more because of that. So, I mean, I would suggest starting with Adopt-A-College just because of those um, networking and that support group that's out there. So uh, to contact, to get involved in that, uh, they would go to the Vegan Outreach website? Correct, veganoutreach.org. Okay, and then there'd be something they can navigate their way from there. Yeah, there's a link to Adopt-A-College. Okay, great. Well, uh, we're almost out of time here. Is there anything else, uh, anything on the horizon uh, down there in uh, South Florida or anything in uh, your own activism that uh, you have coming up that you want to tip us off to? Um, I'm just continuing over the summer since college will not be in session. I just tend to leaflet concerts and um, leaflet festivals and basically anywhere where there's a lot of people walking around. So um, that's basically what I have planned for the summer. So that's okay. always good. Boots on the ground. You're getting out there and doing uh, doing that work, and I, I salute you for that. Thank you. And uh, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to be with us on VegCast. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, thank you very much. Jody Chemis of Florida Voices for Animals. Thank you.
that was Moby with one of these mornings from 18. And now, uh, before we get to our science fact, I did kind of tease you with a revelation about Andy Kaufman. It occurred to me uh, since the time that I recorded that just moments ago that Andy Kaufman died of lung cancer. And the story is not about lung cancer. It's about chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. However, the underlying issue... I think it's still valid, which is that we think of the lungs and we think of things that give us lung disease or lung cancer, uh, and we think of cigarettes. Uh, But we have something coming up that adds a new twist to uh, what ails us when it comes to the lungs. So the headline for our science fact for this VegCast is Cured Meats Double Risk of Lung Disease. This is from the British paper, The Herald. It's about a study uh, published in the American Journal of Respiratory and Critical Care Medicine. And the lead, the nut graph, is regularly eating cured meat, including sausages and bacon, can almost double the chance of developing a chronic lung disease, according to new research. Uh, They go on to say that chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, COPD, is one of the most common lung conditions in the developed world. It incorporates both bronchitis and emphysema and is among the most frequent causes of death for men from middle age onwards. Uh, Another article I saw referred to this as the fourth leading cause of death overall. I don't know... Uh, exactly how they're getting those numbers, but it's it's up there is the main point. The disease is strongly associated with smoking, but up to 1 in 10 sufferers are non-smokers. The link with cured meat, which also includes salami and ham, may help explain why they succumb. So you see, that's uh, kind of what I was referring to. And the details... The eating habits of 7,352 individuals with an average age of 64 and a half were studied uh, by the researchers, those who ate cured meat products 14 times or more a month. Now, that sounds like a lot of times, but that's per month. That's three times a week. You have bacon or or uh, ham or salami, etc., uh, three times a week and uh, you'd be in this category, were almost twice as likely to develop COPD as people who consumed none, the researchers found. Uh, These people also performed more poorly in lung function tests. Rui Yang, the head of the study from Columbia University Medical Center in New York, explicitly pinned the blame on, quote, cured meats such as bacon, sausage, luncheon meats, and cured hams. So I guess the point, uh, once again, is that we look at cigarettes, and this is only within the past couple decades, really, that we've been able to look at cigarettes and say, oh, that is something that is patently unhealthy. We know that that is bad for you, and yet we have these other items uh, for consumers to purchase that are sitting around on grocer's shelves, which are being, you know, touted as part of a nutritionally balanced diet or whatever, uh, when really there's just, uh, there's very little reason to eat them in the first place when you throw in their very tight association with uh, the fourth leading cause of death in uh, what can be very handily demonstrated here in a scientific study. And of course, throw in as well their uh, very tight association with the death 
of the animals that had to be involved in uh, creating these uh, products. It really suggests that there is little to no reason that uh, these products should be out there on the market at all, but perhaps that's just the way things look when we look at them through the lens of a science fact. Okay, and that is going to about do it for this edition of... And again, thank you for downloading us and or subscribing. Remember, you can subscribe at iTunes or at VegCast.com, where you can also find our show notes. And I want to be sure to give a shout-out and a big thanks to Joan Zacharias, loyal VegCast listener who's responsible for hooking us up with Jody Chemis. And hopefully sometime in the future, you'll actually get to hear from Joan herself uh, when we come up with a suitable theme for that show. So we'll be anticipating that but in the meantime as always please get out there and live like you mean it